Welcome everyone to All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast 144 and we're recording this on Wednesday the 24th of June 2015. If I sound a bit bunged up, I'm not poorly, so don't send in your letters of condolences. I just got uh, rather bad hay fever and I've been out in the garden, so I'm full of pollen, which is not a good idea. But luckily I've got Mr. Rafe Blandford to do most of the talking. Yes, and you know I like talking, Steve, so I should be able to fill in the gaps. <laughs> no problem. 144, one of my favourite numbers. We've got a lot to talk about this week. There's been some... News of departures from Microsoft, the usual device updates, new devices to talk about, more Windows 10 mobile. And Steve's got all sorts of things around Badge and Edge and Gig Video. So he's obviously been very busy this week. And it you know, looks like you're off to Glastonbury as well, except probably not. I think I might be a bit old for Glastonbury, or maybe I'm doing the old hippies a disservice there. But uh, <laughs> no, especially not with the hay fever as well. Add the two factors together. No, I won't be at Glastonbury, but I'm, I'm there in spirit with all the people who are. And I always follow it all with the live streams and the live uh, TV broadcasts and so forth. And of course, my daughter, being a teenage girl, she's uh, very keen on all the different acts there and following what's going on. So uh, that's a slinky link, by the way, into the fact that there is a, a rather nice Glastonbury 2015 Windows Phone application. It's not actually the the official one apparently there are official ones for other platforms but not windows phone annoyingly but the third party developer has stepped in with a bit of a labor of love and it's got absolutely everything right from acts to schedules to, to venues to maps and he's being kept right up to date so at one point he was updating it twice a day so really impressive glastonbury 2015 yeah i've had a quick look at this as well i was really impressed by it's just the overall quality when you consider it's an indie effort you know thumbs up you know uh, congratulations to the developer and uh, shame for the official one for not making it onto the Windows Phone platform, but who needs it when you've got a third party app that's this good? Absolutely, and uh, we've just thrown everybody by doing the app of the week uh, right at the start of the podcast. So that's all for this week. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> no, no. Um, uh, we did have the news during the week. It was, it was kind of not really Windows Phone specifically related and I was reluctant to cover it, but so many people said, why haven't you covered it? Um, so basically, Stephen Elop, a, a famous of uh, converting Nokia, if you liked, uh, through to Windows Phone and then hooking them back up with Microsoft, whatever you might think of that. Um, but he and Joe Harlow, who I rather liked um, at, at Nokia and then of Microsoft, uh, famous on many of the uh, product launches over the years. And I, I'm presuming you've met, you've met both of them at different points, Rafe. They've both now been let go from Microsoft in the USA, which is a... Uh, I could argue it's a bit of a shame, really. I think it's more a case of um, maybe not being fired, but more of Nandela bringing in people that he trusts for his old, his vision for the future. And I think Elop and Harlow were possibly considered of the, quote, old guard. And therefore, you know, maybe it was time for them to look for pastures new and Nandela to bring in his new team. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, there's a lot of talking you can do about this one. I mean, I think the first thing is to just say that it's not unusual for this kind of thing to happen when one company acquires another uh, for the you know, leadership teams to change. I think there is a deeper reflection here that the kind of acquisition perhaps hasn't been as successful as Microsoft hoped in terms of the number of devices being sold and kind of there was the whole Steve Barmer vision of devices and services. And I think under Nadella's leadership, Microsoft has sort of swung much more back towards services and it talks about being cloud and mobile first but that mobile component is actually agnostic in that it's not about windows phone it's about whichever mobile device it happens to run on and the reason it's mobile is because that's the predominant computing platform um at the same time i wouldn't be too much of a jeremiah about this and say that it means <laughs> the device and luma is doomed i think it you're right it's sort of a bit of a streamlining and it's now coming under the leadership of Terry Myerson, who actually has form. You know, he's a Windows phone person. So I would be surprised if he was willing to take over and sort of sunset any of that device stuff. So I think any of those kind of speculations are too far-fetched. And actually, if they did do anything, the Windows phone hardware world would basically go away because Lumia, certainly at the moment, is the, the mainstay of that something like 95% of the devices being sold, even with the efforts that Microsoft has been making with, with third parties. So... You know, those kind of editorials of which I've seen a couple and some comments on the site and on Twitter about it, I don't think are accurate. But at the same time, I don't think you can hide the fact that this is sort of the removal of the old Nokia guard. And I think it's also fair to say that Stephen Elop evoked very mixed reactions, um, certainly within the kind of the smartphone community and even within the business world. And there was talk about him being a, a Trojan horse. And I think 
a lot of the Europeans blame him for the demise of one of the big European tech companies. And it's it's sometimes worth remembering Nokia was pretty much all dominant. But, you know, I, I actually think that is really a way of transferring blame away from the mismanagement that happened before he arrived. And don't get me wrong, I don't think he was perfect by any means. But um, in one sense, I think what he managed to do was actually a pretty impressive job. Uh, I think uh, Andrew Olowski has written a, an editorial about this on the register, which you referred to in our news story on this. And it, it's well worth uh, a read. Uh, you know, some of the interesting points that it's just been making, but also you look at the way Green Blackberry has gone away or Palm went away in the past. It, you know, Nokia's situation is you know, far from unique. And, you know, blaming one individual from it, I think, is is a, a mistake. Um, and, you know, I had the good fortune to meet Stephen Edop on a couple of occasions and actually. Joe Harlow was someone I interviewed on a couple of occasions and very dedicated to Nokia and actually provided leadership in the devices team through what was a very difficult period, that transition from Symbian to Windows Phone. And whichever way it was going to go, you know, there was, I think, an inevitability about Symbian coming to the end of its life. And there will always be the what-ifs and what could have beens. Um, but getting those devices out, particularly that first Lumia 800 in a little under nine months was incredibly impressive. And actually then being able to diversify the devices and suddenly take Windows Phone from what was in danger of becoming a moribund platform, something that had a great range of devices and has found a certain amount of success in the low end of the market. The latest numbers have Windows Phone at 8% according to Canlis. And if you look at some other numbers, it's sort of 10%. In Italy, it's in France, higher as 15%. That's actually pretty impressive numbers given that it came from pretty much nowhere um, but of course people are always going to compare it to the heights of you know symbian where nokia was all dominant but i think that's a, a misconception or misdirection at the same time i think you know absolutely um you know Stephen Edop and uh, joe harlow were in charge during a period where you know the company got sold off or the device and service division got sold off to microsoft and where the growth and sales stalled to a certain extent and certainly wasn't able to effectively compete with Apple or Google in the way that many people would have expected uh, Nokia and to a certain extent Microsoft to do. Um, but I I don't know what you think, but I think actually a certain amount of plaudits is deserved for actually as far as they have got and actually getting through that transition period, which could have been a lot more traumatic. And there's certainly, you know, they can't be held responsible. There are a lot of other people involved. Uh, I think there's a lot of bad blood on all sides. You know, we talked about this a little bit in the past with sort of Simeon and Migo fighting each other internally. And uh, it was not a, a good place to be, uh, kind of Nokia's smartphone division. And I think there are plenty of stories that will come out in due course to kind of back that up. And like you, I, I was sort of, a, I wasn't surprised to see Stephen Edock go. I thought he actually might be around for a bit longer. But uh, seeing Joe Harlow, just who I think has been a very effective leader of that devices group, um, did give me a little bit more pause for thought. And, you know, it becomes very clear that it's Microsoft has taken over Nokia and it's not sort of a, the culture disseminating into Microsoft in reverse. Certainly at the leadership level, it remains to be seen whether kind of the dev- design and the kind of the ethos of the device group from Nokia continues within uh, Microsoft. And certainly the imaging teams, that appears to have been the case. We've seen plenty of developments that said that has continued but how much that will apply to the kind of the wider way we talk about devices is, is yet to be seen. Yeah, yeah. Tempting though is to go off into the into the what if scenarios because that's the, we could probably chat about that for two hours. Maybe we'll <laughs> leave that for a special at some point. Let's just look ahead to the future. I was at a pub meet last night and they the the question came. Well, given that Elop's gone and Harlow's gone and Nadella's not that keen on devices and he didn't want to buy Nokia in the first place, surely that means the end of Windows Phone hardware well technically yes i would say yes because it's going to be windows 10 mobile hardware which is kind of <laughs> splitting hairs but my point is that uh, now since we had this whole thing of nokia going windows phone and windows phone was in its infancy we've now got the whole uh, windows 8 fiasco and windows 8 now become going to be rolled into uh, all singing all dancing windows 10 which will bring windows 7 on board bring windows phone 8 point x on board and it's a it's much more of a vision than it was two or three years ago and i think now that, that microsoft would be crazy to abandon the the, the mobile hardware arm because uh, just as the, with the success of the surface tablets i know you've got one of those t- t- tablet stroke laptops there really is a vision now for producing 
the hardware and the software at every level, at every form factor. And if they they suddenly decide to not do the phones, then they they're basically missing a trick. Yes, they'll have services on Android and iOS, but they'll they're just like Google, perhaps with the Nexus program. Microsoft needs a Lumia, you know, flagship and a Lumia budget flagship and a Lumia sort of budget models things to show the way. This is how this is how our Windows 10 vision can be rolled out through all price points, through all form factors. Yeah, I think that's a really important point that, you know, you can talk about it as an armchair CEO, the kind of theoretics of trying to do it just to software and services kind of vision of the world. But I think the element that you get from doing hardware has really been proved in, you know, the tablet in the Surface line. And I think in some ways the mobile phone and the smartphone is even more true of that because of the, it's not necessarily the complexity of the hardware, but being able to take the most advantage of it. And we actually see that with some of the enhancements that Nokia was able to do that were Lumia specific. And that's since been you know, taken on by Microsoft. And actually the same is true of the Surface Line. You kind of get the best possible implementation of the device because it's sort of more joined up. They know everything's going to work. And I think, you know, Apple's model shows the effectiveness of that vertical integration. I think Microsoft's issue is that it's also trying to have hardware partners and quite how that's going to work out, you know, remains to be seen. It, there is something that's uncomfortable about it. And, you know, if I was going to sort of try and play the alternative view to what you were saying, Steve, is, you know, why do they need to do it? You know, can't they just do uh, services on top of Android and iOS? But as you say, I think that actually it, it misses something. And, you know, in the wider context, the understanding that they get from that broader broader picture, I think, is going to be really important. And you know, particularly as Windows 10 comes along, there very much is that vision for the future. And mobile is very much, you know, at the heart of that. And, you know, I think it's important for the future of Microsoft as a company. It doesn't mean that it's without risk. And, you know, I think it's very easy to make the argument that you know, why would they care about Windows phone hardware at all? I think it's absolutely right to say it probably won't be at the heart of the company's vision. And it's not, you know, this software and devices or service and devices company but that doesn't mean that it's not going to be important i think the really tricky thing here is that it costs a lot of money to run a devices company profitably uh, because you need to get that certain amount of scale before it makes sense and that's where uh, nokia had the problem and microsoft is now having the problem why they're having to do a big write down potentially and it's going to be still a period where they need to get to the volume of whatever it might be 20 million devices a quarter or you know something more than that at which point you know it may effectively just break even but microsoft will be perfectly happy with that because the, the potential understanding they get and actually you know if you're a company like microsoft if you're given the choice of controlling the device as well as all the software and services of course that's what you're going to prefer and i think you know looking ahead they've they've seen the difficulty that google's had with its manufacturing partners in the android world and you know the advent of the nexus program they will look enviously at what apple does and and wonder if there perhaps isn't a middle ground between the two um while at the same time trying to carry on this agnosticism as far as the you know software and services is concerned so it's actually a really interesting debate and Honestly, as I've said, I need to you know spend a bit of time thinking about it to see what will be most likely. But uh, I don't expect any big changes or for you know Satya Nadella to suddenly come out and go, we're dropping devices altogether. I think the intelligence they gain from that is is valuable. The potential that it has for the future is certainly valuable. But there will be perhaps some adjustments around you know the amount of money that gets invested into that, and can they? You know, do that in it and still you know be cost effective and competitive and that's going to be a very difficult challenge to pull off um, and i think that's where the risk and the sort of uncertainty about windows phone in, is in the future um, and a lot will be riding on the flagship devices come because actually i think they've done the low-end devices very effectively very well um, but the, the story is kind of incomplete at the moment and i believe microsoft will give themselves the rope to try that but if they aren't able to kind of improve that situation, if it just bumps along at sort of 3% market share, it's going to be hard to sustain from, a you know, just looking at the business metrics, the profitability or the margins or whatever you choose to talk about. They really will need to get it to 10%. And as I say, they've done that in some markets. Doing that globally is is a bigger challenge. Um, but honestly, that's no different to the situation before this announcement happened. It's actually been the problem that Microsoft and Nokia as its partner has had for the last three years. Yeah, and I've said this many times before, but you really shouldn't write off 
and Microsoft, Google, or Apple, they've all got huge bank balances, <laughs> which means that they can afford to try stuff. That means they can afford to uh, keep a division going on for years, if necessary, at a, at a loss, if it means means that the overall vision for the company actually makes it goes forward. So I, I certainly wouldn't write Microsoft off, and I certainly wouldn't write Windows Phone or Windows 10 Mobile hardware off. Yeah. Um, moving on, we have this, this item one on about 10 on the show notes. Um, the Lumia 920, the 1020, and in fact, just about every device I've got has had a, a periodic reboot firmware fix, which is worth noting. So if you see a new firmware coming down the line in your, on your Windows phone, it's just a very small thing. It installs in about a minute, which is very unusual for Windows phone because we're normally, normally talking about a half an hour reboot cycle with spinning cogs and so forth. Um, basically, some devices have been randomly rebooting, and this fixes it. I, I have to confess, Ray, that actually with most my devices because i'm switching sims and micro sds and so forth i tend to turn them off off and on every few days so maybe that kind of wards off the problem but i'm wondering whether you've got the update on your devices i've seen the update come through on a couple of devices like you i haven't had any problems but i have had family members report that their phone has been rebooting so i'm going to make sure they get this installed um and it's as you say it's a good sign that these updates can be delivered relatively swiftly i think this one's probably been a long time coming because i remember talking to a microsoft representative and they said there was this problem with some devices and update would get fixed but as you say it's a far cry from the years of where it took ages for the updates to come through or if they did it was a, a, a major process getting everything up to date but this one happened incredibly quickly in fact uh, for those who've got kind of the thing the settings to have it all happen automatically i suspect they'll have this update installed without actually knowing anything about it because it's quite possible for it to happen no real visual indication and happen fast enough that could quite easily not be looking at your phone especially when it's set to update overnight yeah, absolutely. So watch out for that. Also watch out for some devices are still getting Windows Phone 8.1 Update 2. I'm kind of a d- testing all my devices once a day, just hoping that the Microsoft are going to think, oh, heck, it's got all the Bluetooth fixes. It's got all the um, the, the wipe my phone fixes. Let's just roll it out to the entire Windows Phone world. And I, obviously that it's more complicated than that, but I am watching out for that. And I would expect a few more devices to get that other than the 735 and the uh, the 8.30 before the before, before July is out, certainly. And then, of course, Windows 10 Mobile won't be here till about September-ish. So there's certainly time for them to roll out that update um, 8.2. So uh, watch out for that. Um, in Japan, a couple of new Windows 10 Mobile phones have been announced. Now, we're kind of in the silly season, right, where people are announcing new phones that will be available when Windows 10 Mobile ships. But, of course, we we know, we know for a fact it's three months out. Therefore, these literally are just, you know, you can make up any old stuff and make it put up a Photoshop render of something, say, here's our new phone, and we won't actually know anything about it or how well it works until, uh, until the time. And, of course, being Japan, I, I, I'm gathering we're talking about a hardware which is not actually going to be sold anywhere else in the world because there are sort of u- unique um, frequency things to do with the Japan networks. Yeah, it was just interesting, this one, that uh, Windows Phone devices were going to apparently be made available on some of the uh, Japanese networks, or Docomo, which, as far as I'm aware, doesn't have much provision for Windows Phone devices at the moment. This was actually a company I saw in Barcelona earlier in the year, and one of the devices they showed off then was actually one of the nicer ones I saw at the show. I think I talked about it on an earlier podcast. Um, these ones look like it's actually a very similar design, you know, kind of a, an all metal back and actually relatively competitively priced at sort of 100 and 150 pounds. Uh, fairly standard in terms of the hardware, it just talks about the quad core CPU and sort of a 1700 milliamp hour battery. So nothing big surprise there. The, then the second one has got a slightly bigger battery and then, you know, they're 3G and LTE uh, compliant, which again for the price point actually is, is pretty interesting. Um, I suspect there will be variants of these devices available for other markets. Freetail, when I talked to them, were actually looking for distribution partners and for particularly in Europe, but also the US. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, like some of the other devices we've seen from these uh, smaller manufacturers get picked up by an operator or sign a distribution deal with a supermarket or equivalent of a car phone warehouse somewhere, um, just because, you know, they're going to be quite competitively priced. And as I said, I was actually quite impressed by the devices when I saw them, they just had a little bit more design effort put into them and it looked like they'd also been quite careful to tune the software. Um, so the the specifications on these are, are relatively limited. But as you say, you know, it, it's kind of silly season. We're going to see a lot of these announcements, kind of Windows 10 mobile device or Windows 10 mobile ready devices. Uh, I would expect the kind of pattern of that to 
accelerate as we get nearer to September and October. And obviously, uh, Microsoft will be announcing its own devices in due course as well. Um, and there has been some talk about LG and various other the larger manufacturers also getting into it. And I think, you know, given that it's a big new version of Windows, I think it's quite likely we'll see some of those you know, tier one and tier two manufacturers announce their own devices. Uh, I think probably the thing we'll do, Steve, is pick out the ones we think are a little bit more interesting, particularly from the smaller players, bring them to people's attention, either on the site or on, on the podcast. But, uh, you know, I, I guess I've got a bit of a soft spot for Japanese phone design, really going back to when Fujitsu, Mitsubishi and a whole bunch of other companies were producing various wild and wacky form factors for um, the Japanese market in terms of the Symbian Foma phones. And these were the ones where they were some of the first to have you know, sliders with twists and then TVs and uh, screens that would rotate through 270 degrees and various other form factors as well. Actually, well ahead of seeing those kind of transformer type devices in some of the European and US markets. So they're worth keeping an eye on. And actually, Freetel is a, a name I would suggest that people remember and look out for the devices if they, they do arrive under wider distribution. Yeah, the names of the two phones, just for reference, are the Katana 01 and Katana 02. And we'll put links to all the stories we're talking about in the show notes. So do, do go and look at the write-up. Admittedly, it's short on detail, but then they haven't released exactly released much so far. I suspect maybe they haven't even worked out which processor they're using. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a Snapdragon 400, the same as in some of the uh, sort of uh, mid to low-end uh, Lumias. So we'll watch out for that. Um, the state of readiness. Now, this was an article I wrote looking at Windows 10 Mobile um, for mid-June 2015. And my contention was that this build was marked the point where you could actually just about start to use Windows 10 Mobile, despite it being three months out, as a day-to-day phone. Now, maybe I was being slightly optimistic. There are still a few issues, and for example, in apps stuck in the store, which has been rather annoying me. But in terms of uh, checking email, social networks, running third-party applications, taking photos even, sharing photos, all of that just basically seems to work now. And the responsiveness in Build 10136 seems to be much, much better. I did a 3,000-word write-up, which I would recommend you. I've been adding bits to that as I go, um, specifically to this, especially to do with the maps, Windows Maps. I've been looking at the offline background download, something which you couldn't do under Windows Phone 8.1, which is quite impressive. Uh, and there's lots of extra options in many other applications that, that just weren't there in the previous version of the platform. So it does seem to be maturing. It does seem to be getting there. It's relatively bug-free for the early state. I would still class it as kind of late alpha, early beta. Um, have you, did you manage to install it on any of your phones, Rafe? And if so, which one? I've got it installed on my 930. And as you say, there's actually a lot of updates in this one, which are kind of not apparent on the surface. And I found as I used this version, I kind of got a bit friendlier towards it. I started up first with, oh, you know, the tiles are all rearranged and it's not very well set up out of the box because I chose to kind of just reset the device altogether and not do an in-place update yeah. of any of my data. But then I started taking a bit of effort to set things up and things like the the new Outlook email app, which actually has uh, some significant improvements in it, as well as things like Word and Excel, which we talked about in previous versions and then there's things like Microsoft Edge or the Spartan browser as it is. Maybe we'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. And I suddenly went, actually, this is this is pretty good. There's some really nice stuff in here. You know, Windows 10 Mobile is going to be a pretty big update. And for people, you know, doing the update on existing devices, I think they're going to be partly surprised and potentially taken aback by the amount that's going to change. This is much bigger than, say, going from 8 to 8.1. The thing I'd say about using it as your day-to-day device, there are too many things where the UI is a bit glitchy that just sort of puts me off. And, you know, I'm willing to put up with a certain amount of that. But I've got so used to sort of the consistency of the Windows Phone UI, it's a bit upsetting to have live tiles that, you know, have the icons the wrong size or the (laughs) calendar not quite fitting in or the text overrunning. And this happens on things like the Outlook tile. Now, this is partly maybe because I'm running it on one of the high resolution screens. And this is going to sound like a really nitpicky complaint, but the gap between the tiles is smaller than it is on the uh, kind of current Windows Phone 8.1. And looking at it just just feels wrong. And I suspect if I was using this full time, I, I would start to get used to kind of the different look and feel. Um, and, you know, it's things like some of the uh, notification icons along the top look uh, uh, skinnier would be the way I'd describe them. Actually, they're just kind of um, smaller or lines. And then things like the notifications, all of that just adds up to a feeling of slight inconsistency, which is also present in the apps and things like the 
um, app launcher as well. The boxes around the letters are just a little bit big. And if all this sounds like <laughs> it's a big bit of complaint, it's, it's yes, I'm being incredibly fussy, but it, it's actually a useful reminder just how that kind of uh, design language consistency, that look and feel consistency is actually a really important part of using the platform. And it's one of the things I like most about Windows Phone. And actually it's one of the things that quite often ends up annoying me about Android when you're flipping between various third party apps and, you know, Windows Phone seems to promote more standardization or maybe it's, it's just the experience I come across. And then obviously things like manufacturer skins and different launches and home screens and widgets it, it just you know you, you don't seem to get that same consistency on android i think you'd have to be fair and say iphone is is much better in that respect and it's sort of close to windows phone although even there some of the, the inconsistencies between placing of elements kind of kind of get to me and actually as i was using it even more this device today there were some things like oh that's in one place in an app and it's things like the placement of the menu um and actually there are little things that kind of get you and some of these things actually may be things that are going to be in windows 10 mobile even in the final version things like having the uh, address bar in the browser at the top of the page rather than the bottom and i think you've already commented that's one change you'd like to see or have it come back to as it is now on windows phone 8.1 but you're absolutely right to say there's a lot to like here and it's interesting it feels funny saying this given you know the bad news it was on windows mobile actually windows mobile or windows 10 mobile feels a lot more like a a pc in terms of its capabilities the apps are getting more advanced they're getting more features and of course the big poster boys for that uh kind of word excel and powerpoint but that's sort of more generally extending to the rest of the platform as well and there's two reasons for that it's partly because we are getting more and there's more options there's more features in some of these apps that are being updated but at the same time desktop windows in the form of windows 10 i think is also getting closer to mobile and so it feels more consistent overall and it's something we we've kept hammering on about in the last few podcasts you know windows 10 holds a lot of promise i think it may actually end up upsetting some existing windows phone users because some of the changes are going to be fairly dramatic and probably count myself among, amongst them in terms of you know i i don't like change i like you know grumpy old man if you like but um yes uh, and the performance is certainly better in this build than it has been in the previous builds and, and that's probably the biggest thing in in terms of encouraging me to use it on a day-to-day basis so ask me in a few weeks time whether i've actually managed to stick with using it at the moment it hasn't got my main sim in it but i feel that i, I probably should be brave and switch it over at some point this week uh when I've got a little less going on. Yeah. yeah. One of the observations I've made is that, I mean, you mentioned there that Windows 10 Mobile is kind of, the application's kind of acting like they are doing a PC, looking at Outlook, Calendar, Outlook, Mail, Word, uh, Excel, and PowerPoint, and so forth. But there are other applications as well, which are desktop class. In fact, they are the same universal desktop apps because that will be appearing in Windows 10. That That's part of Microsoft's vision. The same apps you'll be using on your Surface 3, 3 tablets. But my observation would be... Because, one facet of that is that it moves away from the small screen, the phone-sized phone, the man-in-the-streets um, devices. I would argue that Windows 10 Mobile and the way it's shaping up in terms of apps and interface and icons and controls and tiles, they they naturally suit the larger screen phones. And I'm looking at things like the 640XL, things like the 1320, the 1520. Um, even the 930 is kind of, and the 5-inch screen phones are kind of on the borderline. And I hate to think how... Windows 10 Mobile is going to end up looking on the 5.30 and the 6.30 and so forth. I'm guessing that, that one of the last-minute changes Microsoft's going to have to do is to scale down just some of their ambitions for the budget phone so as to not to overwhelm the, 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 you know, the normob in the street, both physically in terms of the screen, screen usage and also with the, um, the, the ambitions and the amount of complexity in the apps. Yeah, it's an interesting one, because I think the larger screen devices have sometimes been criticised in the Windows Phone UI for sort of feeling a bit Spartan or a bit sort of there's not enough going on and you certainly compare it to some of the things like the Samsung Galaxy Note. And, you know, you can level the same criticism in some ways at the iPhone 6 Plus, although Apple has actually been adding in additional things there. And actually, so did Microsoft. They, they kind of had these dual panels on the 1520 in some apps. What we're seeing with Windows 10 Mobile is those becoming more important and kind of more prevalent and more obvious and and you're right, it does make me wonder about the low-end devices. I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens on, on the fixes for those. I would actually say it's fine on the five-inch devices, so you know things like the 930, the kind of 640. Um, I've tried it on an earlier version in the 1520, and actually I'm keen to give this build a, 
a run on on say the fifteen twenty or maybe a, a, a another device like the thirteen twenty with a bigger screen to see how that that comes across. Um, the device that kind of makes me shudder a little bit is something like the six twenty, which of course is theoretically updatable to Windows ten mobile. Although I wonder how many people out there with that would actually choose to go ahead and do that because actually that's obviously a very small screen. Uh, but I suppose it's something that makes sense. You know, part of me is sort of going, Ooh, watch out for these smaller screen devices. But of course, the average size of these screens has has been increasing. You think about all the devices announced recently have been towards, you know, five inches and above. There's actually now very few devices being announced that are kind of below that five inch size. And I suspect that pattern will be true going forward as well. And so, I mean, see, would you say it makes more sense to kind of tune for those bigger devices? Because that's the way the industry is going um, even if it does mean leaving behind you know some of the older devices in terms of having the best best possible experience or usability and uh, you know we have to be careful to say that this is more of an impression at the moment and it's not final so it, it's just a comment to bear in mind yeah absolutely and i can see it working really really well on the 640 xl we were at the 640 xl launch and the 640 as well to, to a certain extent um, but the XL with the fabulous battery life, fabulous screen, and really a quite a large phone, but absolutely targeted at professionals, businesses, enterprise, and so forth. And that is a core part of Microsoft's uh, target market. And I can see it just selling in massive numbers there because of the relatively low cost and the the sheer amount of functionality you're getting with Windows 10 Mobile and, and the full version of Office and Office 365, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you mentioned the, the budget phones there and your worries. And yeah, there are an awful lot of Lumia 520s that were sold, Rafe. And that's so is, is that a four inch screen um, and a fairly lowly processor. And I do wonder quite how that w- Microsoft will pitch Windows 10 Mobile. Obviously, at some point, a prompt will appear on those guys' screens saying, um, Windows 10 Mobile is available, but I do wonder whether there'll be some kind of caveat like you, that you may wish to upgrade. It will involve these 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 pros, but there are also these slight caveats. You will lose X, Y, and Z, um, and, it, and these, this is really optimized for larger screens. P- only proceed if you want to. Yeah, I think that's right. And I mean, to to the point about enterprise, yes, that's where the success has been. But I think also this idea that smartphones are becoming more capable and doing more, there's an expectation for screen size has increased that there's a greater amount of functionality. And I would say this is a good example of the way the kind of the smartphone market moves periodically and platforms and particularly also, I guess you'd extend that to design language and UIs tend to be fixed around the point at which they're launched and they're designed around a certain set of circumstances and user behavior and it's exactly what was kind of so damaging for symbian that that legacy of debt if you like towards the original specifications made it very hard to update and we saw something similar with android when it had its uh, big update to things like 4.4 and actually the same with ios 8 in terms of kind of the design language in a, in a way, I think this is we're seeing that in miniature for the first set of Windows Phone design languages now sort of becoming or shifting a little bit more towards the desktop because that's the expectation of where the market is now. And it's not just enterprise users. You could actually see it in things like video. That's been one of the big pushes for these larger screen devices, but also just the sheer amount that people are expecting to do. Uh, and particularly when you think about it as kind of your only computing device, and then that ability to potentially be a kind of controlling hub for a lot more things. Yeah, it it, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I am inevitably somewhat cautious just because I think it's quite a brave, brave thing to do. Um, But Microsoft are not going to sort of capture new parts of the market by just, you know, sitting still and following the status quo. If anything, that's the lesson you should draw from the last few years. And so trying to you know, be a bit of a first mover here, I, I think, makes a lot of sense. And in the same same way, we're seeing it kind of with uh, Apple when they're looking at the changes they're making in iOS 9 towards the tablet to move that more towards computing with things like split screen and some of those other multitasking features. I wonder if Microsoft is maybe, you know, thinking a, a, a bit ahead of the rest of the market here in that we will see, you know, a subtle shift from smartphones being actually relatively simple and around a sort of set of functionality that emphasizes them as kind of mobile communication devices. Uh, and I've always made that distinction between smart and phone and, you know, Symbian was about phone and then they became smartphones. And now actually it's sort of moving a bit beyond what, what's that next generation? As I say, it's a bit of a tenuous point, but it's certainly one that's made me think having used this uh, Windows 10 mobile insiders build on and off now for for quite a while 
there's actually, I think, more of a, a shift happening in the kind of underpinnings of the way the platform is thought about and obviously the implication it has for design, for functionality, than I originally thought there would be. And so it's going to be the most significant update to Windows Phone since it launched. And you know, that everything using universal apps, that idea of commonality of handover between different devices, being desktop, tablet, and mobile, becomes you know, a lot more apparent. And it's something that has been talked about for a while. This will be the first kind of implementation of it uh, from the Microsoft point of view. You know, plenty of other people have tried it. But there, there's something there that I, I find it really quite intriguing. And it does whet my appetite for, you know, when the final release is coming and obviously when the device is tuned specifically to Windows 10 Mobile come along as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with all, with all that. Just to explain to people that this podcast is going long rather because uh, we're, we're planning, we may just take a week off next week. So we're going to try and give you your value for money uh, this week. We're already at uh, just coming up to 40 minutes, Ray. We'll carry on to about 50. A few more stories to cover. And my Microsoft band, I'm still quite pleased with. It's still doing great service here, monitoring my number of um, steps, calories burned, and most importantly, my sl- the, the sleep. I think the sleep tracking is one of the most intriguing parts of all. Um, there, were, there has been an update, a firmware update for it this week, and uh, every other site just reported the fact that there'd been an update and there was no real changes other than bug fixes. But I've got a theory, and I wrote the theory up in my story, which we'll link to in the show notes. Uh, Microsoft, um, the Conversations blog, did announce a week or two ago a tie-up with a company, uh, TaylorMade, who do MyRound Pro. It's basically a golf application, and it sort of ties you into a, a database of all the major courses around the world and each hole within the course. And, then, of course, you can use the GPS in, in, in devices like the band and like your phone to work out where you are in the course, how many yards it is to the hole, all of that sort of thing, and keep track of, in this case, not only the score in the game, but also how your own physiology is doing, what your heart rate's doing, how many steps you walk during the round. And uh, they've, they announced all this and said it will be available in the future. Now, my theory is that this, this Microsoft Band firmware update and was enabling the, 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 the golf tile, if you like, the golf mode under the hood. And it doesn't appear yet because I think it's now waiting for, uh, I think, about a week while all Microsoft Band users around the world do the update. And then, of course, in the store, I'm expecting to see an update to the Microsoft Health app, which is sorely needing an update because it's so slow. Um, and the update will hopefully speed that up and also add this extra uh, golfing mode. Now, kind of uh, adding a golf mode does sound a rather trivial addition, but uh, it's... That, that given that you've already got you know the weightlifting mode if you like and the time with the the, the gymnasium um, people and you've got the cycling and running and walking you know, why not a lot of people do play golf and it's a good way of keeping fit so I'm all for it and it should hopefully appear in the next week or two. Yeah, I think you're right, Steve. I mean, when you think about what's happened with the band, is it's gradually added more types of sport or exercise or fitness things. Of course, most people are going to choose one or two of those activities and you know you put those onto your bank as you can customize the, the tiles that are displayed and uh you know golf is a, a a big target market and also probably has the uh disposable income to sort of think about <laughs> buying bands as an yeah. accessory to, to to make it work and it's also beloved of executives as well so a quite cunning thing to add in all the way around and i'm sure there'll be more of these in time you know it's not going to be swimming since it's not waterproof um but you know, I, I don't know there may be um uh, more on the way for something like rowing or sailing or something like that you know it's entirely possible with the amount of sensors it's got on there and the sort of computing power to do some quite interesting things and the fact that band has been adding these kind of monthly updates of added features or stability improvements is actually pretty impressive so it's a much more capable product than when it was first announced. I've actually been able to uh, borrow one for a little while and haven't had it very long, and I'll report back on you know my kind of feelings with it. Um, everything that Steve has said about sort of the comfort is actually brought on, but I've been really impressed with it. It is definitely a sweet spot between kind of the pure fitness trackers like Fitbit or Jawbone and the sort of the more capable smartwatches and actually, I found wearing various smartwatches, including the Apple and Android versions and some third-party stuff from, from Pebble as well, that there is initial honeymoon period where it's great to have all this functionality, but then it does tend to dial back to a few key things. And uh, I think Microsoft Band actually manages to meet most of those. And so while in some ways it doesn't have quite the same wow factor as a smartwatch first off, and there's definitely some issues around its design and what people think of you when you show them that you're wearing it, in terms of the set of functionality, the utility of it as a, a device, it's actually pretty close to being 
very useful for what I want it to do. And actually it is around notifications about a glance of seeing what communications you've had in and on occasion, the ability to do a quick reply to, to some things. Uh, so a, a cautious thumbs up from me having not had very long to use it. I'll report back more in, in due course. Um, but yes, great to see these updates. And Sue says, Microsoft Health definitely needs an update because the performance is pretty, pretty appalling. Um, to the extent that it's sort of the amount of time it takes to sync can be very annoying. Um, which is a shame because actually the value you get from that, particularly if you go and look at the kind of the web version of it as well is, you know, pretty good. It's one of the, the, the better ones I've seen in terms of the information you can get out from these, uh, fitness trackers. But, uh, that's probably enough on band and we'll talk about it more in a future episode, Steve. Did you, do you remember the N93 Golf Edition from 2007? I do, the one that you could video and would analyse your swing. <laughs> I think I've still got one tucked away in a box somewhere. There we are. That sounded the death knell for the N93. And, and every time a, a company announces a Golf Edition of anything, I think, oh my goodness. But uh, in this case, maybe it actually does make sense. So let's let's keep an open mind. Um, no, I did do a quick feature just linking to a very, very interesting article. It's a very long article. It's, it's um, truly Stevian and Raytheon in length. It's but written by Microsoft. Look, talking about why Edge is better than Internet Explorer, and this is a fascinating subject because more and more of us spend more of our time, more and more of our time in the browser. And let's face it, Internet Explorer can be a bit quirky. You, you, you some sites behave perfectly, other sites are completely unusable, and you're faced with a blank screen. Um, and uh, I think Microsoft has realised that they've got that the world has moved on since the standards they were writing code for uh, three or four years ago. Um, so the Edge um, engine. Um, it's been completely, uh, well, partly rewritten, as it's fair to say. There's The original Internet Explorer had all sorts of um, concessions and quirks and fixes and clutches. I think from reading this article, having got through the entire thing, I get the impression that the Edge browser has got just as many clutches, concessions and compromises, it's just that they're much more modern clutches, concessions and compromises, and as such, down a much better chance of working. And I have done a lot of tests on, uh, it's quite in dynamic sites like banking sites and things would Sites where actually things are going on, it's not just static HTML. They really are um, interactive, modern HTML5 sites. And do you know what? Every single one's come up perfectly. I, I, I actually prefer browsing in Project Spartan stroke Edge on Windows Phone now than to browsing in even a Chrome on my Android phones, which is saying something, right? Well, that is impressive. And yes, I've also noticed that the performance seems to be pretty good as well. Uh, meeting all those kind of standards that, uh, it, that this post talks about, and you, know, you can run the HTML5 test against the browser and it does well there as well, is interesting. You know, from a kind of point of view of developing websites, Internet Explorer still doesn't have a good reputation, regardless of whether that's on desktop and mobile. In the most recent version, things are getting better, but Spartan does seem to be uh, a leap ahead again. And I think conceptually, uh, what Microsoft has essentially said is, you know, we'll try and get parity with uh, Chrome and to a lesser extent Firefox and Safari in terms of the stance that we're going to support and we'll make our brow uh, behave like that. As you say, there are still clutches and fixes involved, but there is a, an attitudinal shift in the support for stance. But to be fair to the Internet Explorer team, that's been present for a long time. They've just had so much kind of legacy debt from Internet Explorer as it was by kind of effectively um, branching off with Edge with, which is what they've chosen to do. And you know, Project Spartan is kind of the first implementation we're seeing of that in terms of you know, something you can try out. Um, it's freed them up from some of that. And okay, that does mean some legacy things uh, won't work and that could be a problem in some corporate environments, which is why you're going to probably see certainly on the desktop having both available for some time to come. But it's very freeing. And I think on mobile devices in particular, where um, you know, the support for Internet Explorer is basically zero in most development efforts simply because Windows Phone isn't a, considered a significant enough factor. It's not like on the desktop where Internet Explorer has to be supported, albeit begrudgingly, by most developers because it's still, you know, 20-30% market share depending on what numbers you look at and which markets you're in. On mobile, the, there's only ever focus on testing kind of Android and actually Android's a bit of a pig to test for simply because there's, you know, Prior to 4.4, Chrome wasn't the standard browser and there were various manufacturer variants. And uh, because there's a much broader spread of Android versions out there, it's still a bit of a, a nightmare from a testing point of view. And then obviously Safari on the iPhone, which tends to get the most attention. But looking at this and having tried this out, just like you did on a few sites, um, Edge seems to be very good indeed at sort of getting the, if you like, the right version of the mobile site and the one that's kind of been built for either Safari or Chrome, whereas the current version of Windows Phone, all too often you know, there's been some 
user agent sniffing going on, some browser detection going on, and you're handed a less capable version of the site or Microsoft support for standards lets you down and you know something doesn't work quite properly. And you know, things like the Google web apps are particularly notable in this this regard. But there are plenty of other examples as well. And there's some great examples actually in the blog post you refer to. So I'm actually really looking forward to ha- having Edge as my kind of full-time browser on my uh, Windows mobile device. And of course on your tablet and on your Windows indeed, laptop as well. Indeed, yes. I'll be switch over as much as possible and then probably have to switch back to Internet Explorer for using some banking thing or some other corporate requirement. I didn't know we had corporate requirements, but anyway, um, <laughs> it's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. I found a way, Rafe, to uh, to head down the pub, drink beer and see rock bands and basically get useful content out of it. I think it's wonderful. I've been doing a series of video capture tests on different phones and this, my latest, my take two, if you like, I was determined to g- go back with the 1020 with the all the bass filtering turned off and basically record the sound au natural. But I also threw in the iPhone 6 and also Windows 10 Mobile on the 930 and also Android M. So I really was going out on a limb in every every case. And uh, hopefully people are enjoying these little video capture tests. I, I, I know that my taste in music may not be to everyone's taste in music, but they do really stretch the microphones in these phones to the limit. And uh, let's face it, taking your, your phone and smartphone into a gig and waving it around, trying to capture a bit of a, a nightclub or a band or something. It's a pretty common thing that people do, especially these youngsters who are into music. <laughs> Absolutely. What was interesting about this set of tests was, you know, we're seeing now a world where the camera phones are really quite hard to tell apart in the sense that, you know, you take a picture and there's a lot of subjectivity in it and one champion will be crowned over the other. And we've talked about the LG G4 recently and the rise of the Samsung device and Apple always being very good for those instant shots. And actually video is one of those areas where I think there's still a bit of differentiation that's a bit more obvious. Now, I think part of the reason for that is less attention is paid to it and it's kind of less important to put resources into it. Um, but also there's twin components to this. It's obviously the visual capture, but there's also the audio capture. And I think uh, Microsoft, thanks to kind of the knock investments in this space, is still a long way ahead in audio in particular. And uh, when you're watching video, that's a really important part of kind of bringing you into the experience. And I think this was very much evident in your scores, Steve. It was noticeable um, that the ones with the kind of the, the advanced microphones did better than something like the Nexus 5 or even the iPhone 6, although the 930 perhaps wasn't taking full advantage of those uh, yeah. uh, pure audio capture. Um, but also it was on the visual side as well to a certain extent that there were, you know, the, the Nokia or the Lumia devices had an advantage. And I think, again, I'd argue this is because um, Nokia and now Microsoft has put more investments into this space. And the gig is perhaps a perfect way to test this because it's probably the nastiest possible environment you could put video capture in because it's stressing both the audio and the video because of the low yeah. light and the varying lights and you know, plenty of sound to pick up. And honestly, some of the results you got, I mean, every time uh, I watch this and, you know, seeing the results of things like optical image stabilization, but also, you know, the, those higher quality microphones really blows me away. What's, ca- you know, you're capable of capturing from a, a you know, a camera phone and certainly going back a few years, the video is, is the area that's come forward most. I think it has the biggest leap in terms of looking at what it was and what it is now in the last few years. Whereas, you know, it, it's kind of interesting that the 1020 uh, and the 808 before, which are now getting a bit long in the, the, the teeth, you know, they're old devices, but they're still quite near the top end of what's possible for, for camera phones to produce. And okay, actually, they're still right at the top here for, for video as well. Um, particularly the 808, but uh, the 930 gets pretty close. And the fact you are running uh, a kind of a beta version of a, a platform on the 930 makes me wonder. I, I suspect that wasn't fully tuned for all its yeah. imaging stuff because you know there's basically bits of the software stack missing. The fact it was still able to come out on top was pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. The, the, apologies to all the 930 owners out there who says, Steve, you 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 crippled it by running Windows 10 Mobile. Why didn't you run it on stock? But the answer is I've only got one 930, so it was running whatever it was running. But I have actually made the decision in the last couple of days, Rafe, to switch my Windows 10 Insiders trial over to the 1520, much as you're going to, having seen what it's doing with a bigger screen. So my 1520 will be making the trip 
over, back over to Windows 10 Mobile, where I think it will thrive. And I'm going to put my 930 back using the Windows Phone Recovery Tool, which works brilliantly, by the way, for people out there. You, it really is, apart from sitting watching spinning gears for an hour, go make a cup of tea. It actually does work brilliantly in terms of just changing complete operating system versions, then just restoring from the appropriate backup. So my 930 will be going back to stock. And the very next gig, which hopefully will be in a couple of weeks, I will use 930 with all four surround sound, Dolby Digital, HAAC, microphone. Don't worry, they'll all be hooked up working, and I'll be running the stock software. So hopefully the 930 will stand a chance of even winning in my next uh, foray down the pub, Rafe. So it sounds like uh, an excuse to me. You're running uh, Windows yeah. 10 Mobile, <laughs> just an excuse to go back and go to another gig. But that seems a perfectly reasonable thing to do, and look forward to seeing the results of that. And actually, it's going to be quite interesting just from the point of view of seeing what effect running this insider software does have on kind of the capability yeah. of these devices because we certainly suspect that there's an impact on on kind of that last bit of tuning which again on these edge cases is going to be really important but yeah i think a really helpful reminder that video performance is one of those areas which does stand out and of course if you're taking significant amounts of video which depending on you know kind of your user behavior um you know you may well be i think if you've got young family or things like that you know, video is going to be an important part of what you're shooting and you know if you want the best quality audio you know what i'm going to recommend yes go out and get a lumia device rather than using an iphone it's not often you can say that about one particular feature where there's a you know let's say this big differentiation yeah tempting i am to leap in with another an 808 recommendation I, <laughs> that doesn't have oas and i think the oas actually is quite important because in t- quite often in gigs and these evening events you are shooting handheld you can't really set up a tripod in the middle of a dancing group of people can you but you can stand there you know brace yourself and try and keep it steady and the oas does the rest so absolutely yeah get a 1020 or 930 or 1520 i think you are away um, just a one final comment before we finish um talking about software being hooked up people mentioned there that the 930s all the microphones were you know not properly hooked up under Windows 10 Mobile. I absolutely agree. I don't think all the software stack is there. Another facet of that is that my my backup 1020, that's also on Windows 10 Mobile, and the default Windows 10 Mobile camera app takes appalling photographs on the Nokia 1020's brilliant hardware camera. How, how is this possible? And it's just that they haven't joined all the dots yet, Rafe. I think we've got two or three months yet of improvements, improvements to the, the imaging, to the video, to, to every aspect of the OS. And I will continue to report on that because I think uh, where the 1020 owners in particular, where they jump to next and when they upgrade and which camera app is the recommended, I think that might be a very interesting feature for the uh, coming weeks. It, it, it will be. And as we probably should emphasize, there's actually a lot of development effort still left in Windows 10 Mobile. There's been some talk on the web of sort of Microsoft switching developers over. That's not really a surprise. It's something they said would happen before. At the same time, I think it, it's taking shape in terms of we're not going to see vast big difference in functionality, but it's kind of this polishing process where some of those UI niggles I was talking about and making sure devices are sort of fully integrated and it's not just kind of running the stock version. I mean, it's the equivalent, I guess, to the PC world of making sure all your drivers are optimized and aligned for all the various bits of hardware out there. And certainly the latest indication seems to be Windows 10 Mobile will be looking at maybe an October launch. It's kind of interesting that that's going to start aligning with when we traditionally see the new versions of iOS and Android first appear. Uh, I guess that's all around the kind of the getting devices ready for that all important fourth quarter, which tends to be biggest sales of the year and then Q1 heading into the Chinese New Year and those kind of events as well. Uh, but yes, we'll be reporting back on all of that. As Steve said, we've had kind of an extended podcast uh, this week. We may have a, a pause next week, but we will certainly be back the week after that. And as ever, thank you very much for listening. And I'll hand back to Steve for the final goodbye. Yes, I'm intending to head down the pub for another... No, no, no. <laughs> there are no more live music events scheduled for another week or so. But uh, next week I will be taking a few days off, I think, and uh, enjoying a bit of the UK countryside and trying not to think too much about Windows phones the entire week. In the meantime, I will say goodbye as well, and thanks for listening, and we will catch you in the next one. Bye for now. <laughs>